COVID gets all the attention, but there's certainly a lot of volatility around the world and it doesn't get nearly as much attention, despite there is actually a growing appetite in Canada to play a much bigger role on the world stage. And it's interesting because the Macdonald Laurier Institute did some polling on how Canadians see our role in the world and finds that 63% of us believe that, hey, we're pretty influential on the world stage. And this is despite the fact that, you know, our allies, our Five Eye partners have been cutting Canada out of alliances to confront threats like China because they see us as weak. But this polling seems to show that Canadians do feel we play a role in the world stage and want a tougher approach to foreign policy. We want to do our part, which may be why we are starting to see a shift by the Trudeau government to change up its strategies in dealing with countries like China and other threats. Shuvaloy Majumder is a senior fellow at the Macdonald Laurier Institute, also a former director of policy to Canada's foreign affairs minister. He joins us now, and you're also part of this reporting. Good to have you, Shuv. Great to be here. Happy New Year. Okay, so the numbers don't seem to kind of reflect the, the reality. Is it that Canadians have a false sense of our role on the world stage? Do we think we're bigger and better than we are? You know, I think the expectation of Canadians is that we are influential and that our impact is felt worldwide. And to a degree, there's there's validity in that. But our relevance is also tied to how the government of the day decides to deploy its resources, its ministers, its money uh, toward objectives. And the entire purpose of the poll that the McDonald Laurie Institute released is to reflect those priorities that Canadians have so that policymakers can be informed by their priorities and act upon them. And so, you know, while I think that uh, Canadians believe that they have a strong and outsized, a strong presence on the international stage, the reality might be a bit different in terms of our actual influence and um, the kind of accomplishments that Canadians expect their government to deliver. Well, yeah, but the good news of this polling is that there is an appetite for, um, for us to get involved and to punch above our weight and to get back to where we used to be, which was, you know, playing a role. Um, you know, this has not been necessarily a priority of the Trudeau government, given they've gone through five foreign affairs ministers over the last six years, shows you that they don't really see this portfolio as important. But it, it seems to me that Canadians actually do uh, want this to be a priority. And maybe that's because, Shuv, there have been so many um, issues with countries like Russia, uh, countries like uh, China, and so much volatility in protection measures with other countries. Is that is that leading to it? It is. You know, we've, we saw that there is um, a heightened awareness uh, in our annual poll when we compare it to the previous poll for Canadians in foreign policy issues. Uh, so the trend has been moving up in terms of what Canadians um, believe is the importance of foreign policy in in their national life. Uh, and I think that's actually a good thing, despite the bad circumstances that's predicated. I mean, we've had a global pandemic. We've seen geopolitical rivals. We're in an age of disruption in which technology um, is affecting all aspects of our lives, whether it's information or health. Um, and I think that, you know, in this particular moment, Canadians are aware, acutely so, that our alliances matter, uh, understanding our adversaries for who they are matter, um, and being able to articulate clear priorities on how to navigate all this is what I think Canadians expect their government to do. And so, you know, I agree that there is uh, cause for some optimism, even though we just had a national election that didn't really spend any time talking about foreign policy priorities that Canadians hold.
Yeah, and it's interesting because there have been so many high-profile issues, whether it's the two Michaels, you know, we know and we've had several reports that China, you know, is, you know, overtly sowing disinformation into our campaigns and are kind of playing um, and meddling with our, our democracies and that. Uh, people are more aware, but I can't. it can't be just um, a coincidence that the Trudeau government, you know, after years of weakness on China, has seemed to shift its strategy. It's a pretty big announcement when they said that they were going to move trade away from China and strike up deals with countries like Taiwan. That is not a small thing, and there's already been blowback with China putting a, um, you know, stopping imports of our, our, our beef, at which we send an awful lot of Alberta beef over to China. That's not a small thing, but it is a shift in strategy for the Trudeau government. We're seeing a signaling of that, yes. I mean, in the last weeks, we've seen a change in the ranks of the senior civil service, um, which now include a new national security advisor, a new principal foreign policy advisor, the prime minister, uh, and in key roles. Um, a lot of the individuals uh, who have uh, taken these positions have a record of um, ambition in the Indo-Pacific and understanding our rivals in that context. Trudeau has mandated in his letters to Defense Minister Anina Anand and Foreign Minister Melanie Jolie that the mm -hmm. Indo-Pacific be a, a priority and a strategy be revealed. Um, I mean, they've had five years, but let's get to work. And I think that there's a lot that, that Canada can and should be doing with our democratic partners. And that's been reflected in the poll that, that we looked at uh, at the end of the year last year, in which we saw that Canadians want to prioritize democratic alliances, whether it's with our Five Eyes partners or with democratic countries in the Indo-Pacific region as an anchor for how we proceed in the next, you know, in the, in the road ahead. Uh, Canadians have maintained a huge level of skepticism toward China and Russia, uh, joining Iran and Pakistan as countries viewed most skeptically by, by, by Canadians, and I think correctly so. Um, we have noticed the sea change in how Canadians view the American administration or the United States at large. You know, it's interesting that during the Trump administration, there was a net negative ranking of how Canadians viewed the United States. But with Joe Biden, um, that has become a very positive impression. Um, part of my the, the analysis that my colleagues and I have done on this is that much of our media in Canada reflect and import American political issues into Canada, rather than focusing on the priorities that Canada should have with the United States, whether it's the uh, trade, energy, border, and international security. Um, and, and I think that fickleness is something that we need to be careful of as we design what Canada requires to benefit from in its partnership with the United States. So there's a lot to unpack in this poll in terms of what uh, Justin Trudeau and his cabinet can do in the Indo-Pacific. And some of the early signs we've seen in 2022 now um, indicate that they seem to have heard the message. Now, whether they act upon it, uh, we've mm -hmm. seen the Taiwan, the Taiwan engagement certainly is a very encouraging sign. And we're hearing rumblings now in, in media reports that uh, there's a the ambition on how to engage Indo-Pacific democracies on a range of trade and security issues. So, you know, these are, I think, really early steps in the right direction. A decision for 5G still um, against Huawei still needs to be made. Uh, surprisingly, has not been made. Um, mm. But, but I'll, I'll, take, I'll take the wins where we find them right now. Yeah, the, the Taiwan win uh, is significant. And, and, you know, no one should expect that China would not strike back. But again, um, whether 
or strong or weak, they will take advantage. Um, that's just how China operates. And I guess over the last six years, um, they've started to wake up to the fact that uh, you can't negotiate <laughs> with a regime like like what we have now. Um, I suspect they'll come out any time with a decision on Huawei. Melanie Jolie has been asked about it many, many times in the last couple of weeks. Like, what is the decision? I don't know what they're waiting for. I don't know if maybe they're waiting till the Olympics are over. Um, what their strategy is, but there's no question they're going to have to make a decision, and I don't think that there's any other decision they can make. I agree with no. that, obviously. No, I agree with that, obviously. And, you know, one of the things to pay attention to in the 5G decision that I know my colleagues and I are paying attention to is that we know that Canadian telecom companies have already proceeded down the line in um, half measures in the absence of a, of a, decline, of a rejection of Huawei. Um, and so any decision around rejecting Huawei should also be very clear as to how long it would take to uproot existing Huawei 5G infrastructure in Canadian telecoms uh, networks that have yet to be activated. So I think, um, you know, this is a decision they've had plenty of time to reflect upon. The I think the decision point is very clear. Um, and, uh, you know, whatever tactical reasons they are delaying a decision over or compromising our national interest in the interim, yeah, sure are some interesting times, but it's uh, the polling shows that Canadians definitely have an appetite to uh, allow Mr. Trudeau to go forward. It's whether or not he will actually listen, but he should. Interesting numbers. All right, Shuva, I know you're very busy. Always appreciate the conversation. Thanks for joining. Thank you. Talk to you soon. That's uh, Shuvaloy Majumder uh, joining us here. And uh, I don't know what the holdup is on Huawei, but no question about it. The decision's got to come soon. We are being watched. Alex Pearson on point, and this is Global News Radio.